Pull off the highway into a Vermont town, you'd think Disneyland rolled out Victorian Main Street just for you. It looks exactly like the postcards. But like Disneyland, the false fronts are propped up with two by fours. Behind the friendly Vermonter exterior beats the darker New England heart of the crucible, the scarlet letter. These New England pasts never really died and the people haven't changed. Today, they're more like the Stepford Wives, compliant, animatronic copies. Humanoids with rictus grins and blank eyes gliding through the boutique grocery, watching you. Come with me while I tell the tale of a blue city corrupted by a politics of self-righteousness and sublimated rage. Welcome to Vermont. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And this is the episode where we're going to talk specifically about Vermont, and particularly about Burlington, Vermont. If you live in a red state or a state that is less stridently democratic, left, progressive, woke, blue, whatever you want to call it, than Vermont is... I hope that this will be eye-opening for you. In talking to people in other parts of the country about the issues that we talk about on this show, a lot of people are surprised. Some people are disbelieving that life could be the way it is. That, Well, here, here's a way that it often gets said. If you're on social media, if you're on something like Twitter, for example, people will often say, Get out into the real world. Twitter isn't real life. Social media isn't real life. Uh, go out, touch grass, right? Twitter is real life in Vermont. There is no such thing where I live as a real world that is not Twitter or Instagram. What I mean is that, yes, the people who pop off on Twitter and who appear to you to be outliers are not outliers here and they don't only exist in digital form. Take a look at what downtown Burlington, Vermont looks like, but we're going to show you a little montage here. I'm going to, to set it up, this is Church Street. Church Street is, is the main street in Burlington, Vermont. It's a pedestrian it's a downtown, right? If it had a road, it would just be like an old 19th century downtown with the three-story Italian at brick buildings. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it is bricked over. It's a pedestrian promenade. There aren't any cars. And it's about five or six city blocks long. If any of you have been to Ithaca, New York, it's like the Ithaca Commons, but prettier. Um, so it's the heart of our business district. <clears throat> and it's a tourist destination. And it's called Church Street because the first Unitarian church sits directly at the top of the street. This is what it looks like. Kevin, let's let's give people a roll. Oh, yes, you've been watching as I've been talking. Every shop that you go by has a Black Lives Matter sign, a rainbow flag, or increasingly the trans flag with the baby blue 
and the baby pink and the triangle that's penetrating into the traditional rainbow gay flag. And you, you want, so this is what it's like. And that's Church Street, right? But you wonder how many of these businesses have put these decals and signs and, and it's almost like how many of them have put it up because they really believe in it and they think that they are signaling to customers that they offer a safe space? I mean, <laughs> I know, I know we all hate that phrase, but it, it, it's sort of funny. There's, there's this idea that, that a lot of woke liberals have that they need to do these sorts of things like a quasi underground railroad, like a, like a symbol that indicates to people who are on the run that you can hide here. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of silly, but you wonder... How many of them actually believe this and how many of them have put this up to defend themselves against a protection racket? Awfully nice tchotchke store. Be a shame if anything happened to it if you didn't support trans rights enthusiastically enough. I'm pretty sure there are some of them there, some business owners who do it for that reason. We'll never know, though, because they're afraid to say so. And this episode is going to show you exactly why they're afraid to say so. <laughs> I want to show you where that montage ended up at the Unitarian Church at the top of Church Street. Take a look at the banner they've got over their fence. Break the chains. Abolish slavery Vermont. Pass Proposal 2. So what do you think is going on? I was surprised to see this because I was not aware that we had slavery in Vermont. And I wasn't aware that there were any chains that were in need of breaking. So I looked it up. What is Proposal 2 about? What does it mean to abolish slavery in Vermont? Well, as you might have predicted, that is not an honest banner or sign. Proposal 2 would amend the Vermont Constitution to remove some archaic language. It's probably... 225 years old, if I had to guess, that references indentured servitude and slavery. So we have something in the constitution of our state that is left over from the days when you could put somebody in indentured servitude to pay off a debt or hold a slave. Obviously, I have no objection to removing that language. <laughs> I think there are very few people who really would object to that. But that's not why these Unitarians are doing this. They're doing this so that they can look like a modern-day Harriet Tubman. Because there isn't actually any slavery going on in Vermont, is there? There aren't any chains that are holding people here. There is no such thing as indentured servitude. We all know that none of that is actually happening. I would have nothing to say on this show about an effort to remove that archaic language if it were not being used in service of making the world and the state we live in seem to be a much darker and more nefarious place than it actually is. And the purpose of doing that is to make these Unitarians at the Unitarian Church look super duper morally good, good, goody, good, good, good. See, they're abolishing slavery. This is just nonsense. It's cosplay.
And they were all, they're all dancing around <laughs> when this picture was taken. They're all dancing around singing Negro spirituals. <laughs> so you've got, a, you've got people who look like the guy from the Quaker Oats box in 2022 singing Negro spirituals, and they're going to abolish slavery in the middle of the most progressive city in the goddamn country outside of Seattle or Portland. So this sets the scene for you. And I only showed you downtown. I only showed you Church Street. But if you drive around into the neighborhoods, the suburbs, you see much of the same thing. House after house has those multicolored signs that say things like, in this house, we believe women are, you know, women's rights are human rights, trans rights are human rights. This stuff is all over the place. Trans flags all over the place. Uh, there's nary an American flag to be seen in the state of Vermont. The only place you're usually going to see them no, excuse me, let me correct myself, not in the state of Vermont, in and around the Burlington area, because there are parts of the state that are not like this. But you will not see, um, I, I mean, I noticed this on Memorial Day. I, I saw some flags out because I take, you know, I take the same route to the office and home every day, so I, I see what's on people's houses. And I saw some new flags out on Memorial Day on houses that didn't have flags before. None of them were American, though. They were all trans or LGBTQ+. So, um, yes, this is one of those areas in which flying the American flag, the symbolic heritage that we all have a claim to, is considered an act of racism and provocation. Let's talk about actual provocation. As I tell you about what it's been like for the past few years here in Vermont, I'm going to start with something that happened this week, and we're going to work backwards. So this week... Kevin was in town, which is always a treat. I got to actually cook for people other than me and my housemate uh, and sick cats. <laughs> Kevin was in town, so we got together with some friends, and we walked down Church Street, and we were with Christopher Aaron Felker. Um, Kevin, tell me in my earpiece, because I always get this wrong. Christopher is the, um, he's the chairman of the Chittenden County GOP Committee. Is that correct? Chittenden or Burlington? I'm sorry, Christopher, I know I've made that mistake before. He's with the Republicans here. <laughs> um, do we? Yes, so there's Christopher on your screen. Very nice man, very presentable. We go into the Burlington, what is it, the Burlington Bagel Bakery? Downtown, decide to have a spot of lunch. So we're all sitting down. And Kevin and I are at one table and Christopher's at another. He took another table because he got a business call and he wanted to do that privately. So Kevin and I got our food and we kept looking behind us to see if he was done with his call. And then I heard a tone of voice that sounded um, like it was trying to start something. Do you want to be starting something? You know, that kind of voice. And... Kevin, can we put the picture up here of Christopher seated in the Burlington Bagel Shop? Unbeknownst to us, while we were in there, you see this picture. There's Christopher. He's at that table by himself that I told you about. Kevin and I are actually off screen to the left. What we did not know before this incident happened was that the people who created the incident were taking pictures of him um, and posting them online to let other people know that there was a transphobe sighted in Burlington and to make sure that they knew where his physical location was. 
So here's what happened. I hear that that provocative tone of voice, and I turn around, and I see a young man with frizzy bleach blonde hair standing over Christopher at his table right next to that stroller. Uh, he was standing right next to that stroller that had a baby in it. And he said, I just want you to know that I think you're a fucking transphobe and I hope you die and rot in hell. So Kevin and I immediately stood up in defense mode. We were ready to go over there and break anything up. Well, of course, the young man who said that quickly turned around, hunched his shoulders over and scootled out the door. And I yelled, I yelled something at him. I think I said, um, you know, you want to talk about this face to face, big boy? Uh, he didn't, of course, want to talk about this face-to-face, -face, so he scuttled out. And this is not the first time I've seen something like this happen. It's not the first time that it's happened in front of me. But what bothers me every single time, well, there's a couple of things that bother me about this. Number one, I want you to take in, please, that we live in the kind of social atmosphere where people like this young man feel comfortable doing this. They don't feel any social pressure. They don't feel embarrassed. They're not worried that they're going to be turned on in public. That tells you something about the social climate, even if it's unspoken. They feel safe and comfortable, and they are right to feel safe and comfortable. They are. So... He wants him to rot in hell. He wants him to die. He's a fucking transphobe. Meanwhile, I showed you that picture that he took of Christopher. It almost felt, I mean, I know it wasn't because, you know, nobody knew where we were going, but it almost felt like a setup or a sting, you know, to learn after, you know, after he did this vulgar display to learn that while we were all just sitting there unaware, he was taking pictures and posting them online so that people would know that Christopher was there. So I go and look on social media and here's a here's a thread here. Here are some local people. You're going to see these names come up throughout this episode. Um, Pit Fiend, Mama Cranks, um, and our friend Pedro Gassioso, which is what this uh, young man who verbally accosted Christopher calls himself. So the tweets say, yep, that's our boy Felker. Yup, Felker. Feel free to let him know Mama Cranks thinks he's a little baby bitch. Mama Cranks, I know you can't really see this. Mama Cranks is a man who calls himself a woman and says things like that very confidently with a picture of himself in sunglasses wearing false tits. Welcome to Burlington. Next one, Pedro Gassioso says, I went up to him and told him off, get ready for Church Street isn't safe tweets. That's how I parse that. Of course, I have to parse myself because uh, people do not use punctuation anymore. Um, but Church Street isn't safe. Isn't safe for transphobes. Keep that in mind. Safety. Next one. Remember how I told you it's, uh, it felt like a setup? It feels a little like stalking, too. So, user... The crying of that 69, whatever that means, says, can any of you coder types make a quick smartphone app where Burlington people can pin time-stamped 
Felker sightings, and he tagged Christopher's Twitter handle, Felker sightings on a little map so it's easier to find and publicly shame him. Then we have, this went on all day, and it went on for several days on several social media platforms. Our friend Pit Fiend again. Remember BTV or BTV... (laughs) I'm going to have to get into this. BTV is our airport code, and people use it that in that sort of irritating way. They use PDX, which is Portland's airport code, to refer to the city. So that's what they mean when they say B- BTV. Remember, BTVers, dunk on Felker in public, and you go to Valhalla. So you earn your, you earn your ticket into Viking heaven by harassing Christopher Aaron Felker in public. Let's get a better look. Or have we had a look at all yet? No. Would you like to meet Pedro Gassioso? I'd like you to meet him. Here he is. Um, there he is smoking a joint in front of, where is he in New York City? Fox headquarters in New York. Um, we've got him. <laughs> it looks like he's about to whisper secrets to a palm frond. Um, in this next one, but, um, yeah, I don't know where he was or what he was doing, but it looks like plant secrets. So, so that's our, um, that's our verbal accoster. Hey, Pedro, how you doing? This is a lesson. It was a lesson for me, a reminder for me, but I, I wanted to turn this into something that people watching this could understand. It is worse in places like this than you think it is. This is how Twitter and social media show up in real life. We have a lot more coming up on this because a lot more took place and a lot has taken place over the past two years that got us to the point we're at today. But I am not one, and and my friends are not the kind of people to, to... present ourselves as as frightened little victims in need of protection. That's that's anathema to the way I, I like to be in the world. I don't like to see other people be that way in the world either. But honestly and without without hyperbole, this is what I have meant when I've said on this show several times before that it often feels like you're walking around in the 1970s version of the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers or the Stepford Wives. You feel like you're watched because to some degree you are watched and you worry that somebody is going to recognize that you're not part of their tribe, right? It gives you a creeping feeling. We're coming up on a break here. Um, but when we come back, I'm going to take you back a couple of years to where a lot of this start, a lot of these relationships started, Kevin, me, Christopher Aaron, other people, but also where the ascendance of the LGBTQ hard left politics really kicked into high gear. But before we go, I want to remind you that we have audio content and we would love to have you subscribe there. We're on every platform you get your podcast apps on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We've got fresh content coming up on there that you won't find on the video channel. So check us out. We'll see you after the break.
You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com slash disaffected or visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Welcome back. Why is this happening? What's going on here? Where did it come from? Most people date the real ascendance of woke politics nationally and in their areas from uh, 2014 to 2016, but certainly with the election of President Donald Trump, the pushback got hysterical. That's when woke really started to grip the country. And there were some punctuation points between that time and now where certain events happened that ratcheted up the tension even more. But I want to bring you back to, gosh, I guess this is going to be around 2018 or 2019, when a bar opened briefly in Winooski, Vermont. That's um, the town that abuts Burlington. It's a small, well, it's a city. It's a city of 6,000 people. It was a French-Canadian millworker immigrant town. Uh, the woolen mills are still on the river that separates Winooski from Burlington. But it's one of the places, it's probably, I would say, the most diverse I know I'm using air quotes for that spot in the country because it's a working class town. It's less. Well, it's getting more expensive. But when I bought there, it was much less expensive than Burlington. And we have a very active refugee resettlement program. So there are people from uh, Southeast Asia, Thailand, Cambodia, Nigeria, Somalia, and they often get relocated um, in Winooski. And so a bar opened up for a little while called a gay bar called Mr. Sister. Mr. Sister is an old phrase and an old joke that gay men have used forever and ever and ever. Most people who remember it now remember it because it was used famously on the episode of Will and Grace where Cher showed up and Jack called Cher Mr. Sister because he thought that Cher was a drag queen playing herself. So Mr. Sister. We all can understand what that's about. I met Kevin online. I met Christopher Aaron Felker online. And I became aware of Peggy Lures around that time because all of us in one form or another jumped into the Mr. Sister issue. And what was that? Well, you can guess. I've talked about it on the show before. But the LGBTQ plus BPD2IA question mark hashtag community 
decided that it was oppressive and phobic. It was a transphobic name. And it was doing harm to the community. And people wanted to call emergency meetings to figure out what to do about a bar that chose this name for itself. And they just went hysterical. And it was the first, you know, I, I don't have very much, I don't have very much interest in gay bars anymore. I remember when I moved to Vermont back in the early 2000s, I thought to myself, you know, oh my God, there's not even a gay bar here. Now I wouldn't set foot in one if you paid me. But it, this was the first time that I, up close to me, I saw this alleged community that I am allegedly a part of, that they in fact stole from those of us who actually built it actually came directly at gay men as gay men and basically said being gay men is oppressive to us. So that's how that all started. That's how we got to know each other. And eventually, some of us started meeting privately and figuring out what are we going to do about this? We're seeing this trans stuff creep into the schools. It's harming women. It's putting girls in danger because men are now able to go into women's bathrooms and women's locker rooms. And we batted around an idea of forming a group called Gender Critical Vermont. Very informally, we didn't have an agenda. We had topics we wanted to discuss, but we didn't have any documentation. And one of our group went ahead and booked the library for an initial meeting. Uh, if you haven't ever booked a library room, most libraries have meeting and conference rooms. And if they get federal funding, which most libraries do, they have to abide by the First Amendment. That means they have to let you have the same use of their space whether they like the content of your speech or not. This is very uncontroversial, normal American stuff. So I'm going to put this next graphic up here and you will see the announcement on the library's website and then the, uh, the first tweet reaction that I noticed. And it just said, uh, gave the date January 28th, 2020, discussion group for Vermonters who opposed the subversion of women's rights by the transgender agenda. Yes, I know. I, I anticipate you, especially those of you who are hate watching. Yes, I know. The very fact that we said that and that the word transgender agenda showed up, you find unbearably provocative. I understand that. I don't care, but I do understand it. <laughs> There's not much you lot can handle, is there? There's, it's not very far you have to go before it's unbearable for you. Meanwhile, the rest of us who have to put up with your shit all the time somehow muddle through. So Julie Wynn, a local artist and musician, had something to say about this, and she says in her tweet, Whoa, 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 exclamation point. Fletcher Free Library, I urge you to cancel this transphobic event immediately and not support this kind of hatred here in our beautiful BTV community. Trans people exist. There is no room for debate. Hashtag Vermont. Tag Pride Center Vermont. Tag Mayor Moreau Weinberger. We're going to meet him later. Tag Christine Hallquist, we're going to meet him later too, etc. Trans people exist. Okay, Julie. And <laughs> there is no room for debate. You don't even know what we were going to talk about. 
You know the general outlines of it. This is going to be a theme you see in all of this. Remember, we didn't have an agenda. We didn't have written documentation. They only knew that we wanted to talk about the subject matter. So because they didn't have details, they filled it in with fantasy. <laughs> and Julie is, of course, just exactly what you would expect of her. Very typical for this kind of woman in Vermont. Well, it's kind of man in Vermont, too, um, because the men here are completely feminized. Julie Wynn Vermont. What? Let's take a look at her interests. Musician, artist, trans ally, food allergies, trigeminal neuralgia awareness, animals, vegetarian, love Vermont, music, art, travel, blog, TikTok. <laughs> you know, just a really nice girl. <laughs> wasn't just Julie who had something to say about our meeting. Let me introduce you to Shay Totten. Shay Totten is formerly a reporter of our local arts and weekly newspaper called Seven Days. Yes, it is that kind of newspaper. Yes, it is woker than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> so Shay had this to say back in 2020. Just another day in BTV where the turfs and farts, and I have to break in here and define that for you, Shay decided apparently that we could not, we men could not be called trans-exclusionary radical feminists because we weren't, we couldn't be feminists because only women can be feminists. So we were farts, which is, I wrote it down here, feminist appropriating radical transphobes. So turfs and farts get to spew their medically and scientifically bogus BS that is harmful to our excuse me, that is harmful and dangerous to our trans and non-binary folks, spelled with an S, X, and who think parents of trans youth like me should be put in jail for abuse. To be honest, it's fucking exhausting. Hashtag VT. Next tweet. But this turf fart mindset is what many of us have to deal with day in and day out in BTV schools workplaces, public spaces, this asinine notion that there is some, quote, transgender agenda, end quote, beyond being loved and valued and seen rather than killed, harassed, and disappeared. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Why? Well, Shay and his wife took their daughter to the surgeon to get her tits cut off. A radical mastectomy at age 15. And now Shay's daughter is called Ezra. And Shay's got a glowing, glowing write-up in his own paper about the loving care that he and his wife offered to Ezra, their 15-year-old daughter, complete with a first-hand account of this girl waking up groggily from anesthesia after her radical mastectomy so that she could look down at her new Franken chest. Touching. So, to go back to something that Shay said, yes, Shay Totten, I'm talking to you directly right now. You are correct. I do think you should be in prison. Just the way I think that anyone who commits that kind of severe child abuse should be in prison. Yes, uncontroversial. Next point. It wasn't just individuals talking about us on social media, creating this atmosphere. It was the media as well. 
Let's take a look at what they had to say. Remember, this meeting hadn't even taken place yet. Burlington Free Press. Does a gender-critical meeting belong at the public library? City attorney, yes. Others, no. Well, it doesn't matter what others think. It matters what the Constitution says. This is not a matter of opinion. And I am delighted to say that the city attorney, I can't remember who it is, forgive me, please. The city attorney did, in fact, affirm that, yes, you, Fletcher Free Library, do have a constitutional duty to allow them to use your meeting room. You have to be content neutral. I note, viewers and listeners, however, that the library decided that they needed to get an attorney's opinion. I want you to know that they were motivated. They wanted to stop us. They're disappointed that they couldn't. That was their motivation. Their first reaction to this, as soon as the social media hits came in, was to make a request of the city attorney. Okay. Now, at the same time that this is going on, the trans activists decided to do what they always do, which is to try to become or impersonate something and someone that they are not. People like this wear other people's identity like a digital skin suit. Some of them would like to wear a real skin suit, but they have to settle for a substitute. Pops up on Facebook, a new group called Gender Critical Vermont. Take a look at it there. <laughs> exactly does it. Let me get my, get my reading glasses here. But you notice in the little um, circular decal, trans rights are human rights. So they slip on somebody else's identity because they have no personality and no identity of their own, this kind of people. They're empty inside. They have to appropriate someone else's and then turn it around and make it what it isn't. So they started putting out tweets like this picture of uh, some derpy looking character from the cartoons uh, Spongebob Squarepants it says trans agenda stopping free speech like we were the stupidest stupidest people on earth for thinking that the nice trans people were going to stop our free speech how dumb why do we think that Next post, trans women are biologically female. Sorry, I don't make the rules. You see, reversal is a constant theme on this show because reversal, turning around the truth, or as Isaiah 520 has it, uh, substituting bitter for sweet and dark for light, is one of the core and primary characteristics of people with this personality style, this narcissistic, emotionally unstable personality style. So they impersonate us, and then they gut what we say and turn it into the opposite. And after threatening us, they pull a reversal and mock us for it. So what happens here, I mean, this, um, what you're seeing on the screen, this three-panel cartoon, it's that meme of somebody on a bicycle, it's three panels, riding a bicycle, then the rider sticks a stick in the spoke of the wheels and and um makes himself fall off the bicycle not joe biden style he just falls off anyway but this is putting a stick in and then falling on the ground 
and the panel say gender critical Vermont, uh, canceling their own meeting. Thanks, trans activists. Well, we we did cancel the meeting, um, and I'll tell you why. After I take you through a few more of these. No, actually, I'll tell you why right now. While all this media stuff was going on, it became very clear to those of us. We knew this, but, but we really knew it then. That we were considered moral contaminants and that we had been excluded culturally from the circle of moral concern. And that's a fancy way of saying we weren't sure if we were going to get hurt if we showed up, and we weren't at all sure that anyone, if we did, would help us. We were, we were made fair game. That's what happened. So we decided to cancel the meeting, and, and the, there's no, no aspersion here. I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on the Burlington Police Department. I don't know how they would have responded to this. Uh, they have been the target of a lot of, frankly, harassment under the guise of citizen activism. But we weren't even sure if the police would protect us if things got violent. And that's not a, an unreasonable worry because we've seen this happen in many other places. It happens to women and feminists most frequently, actually. Um, when women, particularly feminist women and lesbians, in the UK and the US have tried to organize meetings like this at public libraries or other venues. They've been stalked, they've had things thrown at them, they have been assaulted. Um, so this does actually happen. Now, so we've canceled the meeting, but there's still lots of this stuff um, flying around. I wanna uh, introduce you to Christine Halquist. This is more stage setting, this is more helping you to understand what the normal everyday atmosphere in Vermont has been like for years. Here's Christine. Christine Halquist is a man named Dave Halquist in a bodega wig who calls himself a woman, as you can see here. He ran for governor of Vermont in 2018. He was the Vermont Democratic Party's nominee. Some of you may remember seeing this covered on things like NBC Nightly News. It was an absolute travesty. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the embarrassment factor alone, but I mean, good, come on. I, I'm sorry, but come on. Look at him. He's got a cheap wig on that he pulls all the way down to his eyebrows and a face full of thick makeup on an obviously masculine face. And we we're all culturally required to pretend that we thought a woman was running for governor. And Vermont Public Radio pretended it. The Associated Press pretended it. Gannett pretended it. The Burlington Free Press pretended it. Every single media outlet who covered this pretended that there is a woman named Christine Halquist. Christine had a lot to say about us, gender critical Vermont. But of course not about us because... I don't know if I made this clear earlier, nobody knew who we were. They literally had, they did not know our names because we weren't an official anything. They were sure about the kind of people we were, but they didn't even know who we were. So Christine says, it's a tweet from January of 2020. What is the transgender agenda? Here's an insight. And uh, he shares a, a satirical article and then says, 
The Republican disease of bigotry, racism, misogyny, and bias is slowly metastasizing into Vermont. This language should sound familiar to you. It's the language of disease and contamination. With this set, it's always death, disease and death. Death, disease, disease, contaminate, dirty. They are obsessed with it. It's a projection, most of it, of course. But there's never any talk from them doesn't concern disease and death. This is, this is what they think of ordinary people who happen to disagree with them. More from Christine. Dave. Freedom of speech cuts both ways. I do support freedom of speech. I also do support publicly shaming anyone that attends these bigoted events. They will feel the force of our community. They will not gain traction in our loving state. Remember last week? Remember our HR woman who kept coming at the camera like a cobra, smiling, while she said it would be a great thing if you lost your job. They're not going to get any traction in our loving state, are they? <laughs> More from Christine. Our community will continue to exercise our constitutional right to expose and shame these bigots. If you cannot stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Girl, get a new writer. Next, it is sad and I would love to go face to face with these bigots. Their fears are irrational, selfish, and they are pawns in the right-wing agenda. Finally, their final sentence, and she, uh, ooh. <laughs> mark your bingo cards down, I got caught out. He is referring to a statement that one of our group released explaining that we were canceling the meeting temporarily until we could figure out how to do it in a way where, quote, peace can be maintained. So Christine Dave says, their final sentence where peace can be maintained shows that they fear public scrutiny. No one threatened to disrupt their event as that would be breaking library rules. We will shame them. This is a clear example of bigotry. Nobody threatened to disrupt our event. Is that right, Dave? Except you. Not, well, you weren't the only one, but you certainly did. Right here in this tweet, I do support free speech. Haters will hate. It would be nice to take pictures of everyone who shows up and shame them on social media. I would do it, but I will be out of town. That's not a disruption. No one threatened to disrupt. You, you were just going to come and peacefully sit there, weren't you? Quietly and just take pictures and not make any noise. Sure, Dave. Nobody threatened to disrupt our event. What was that that I saw just a moment ago? Do, do, do. We will shame them. I would love to go face to face with these bigots. They will feel the force of our community. A little dark there, Dave. You thinking about another subject? Anyway, that's Dave Christine Halquist. It's now time to introduce another character who is important in this. Burlington Mayor Moreau Weinberger. Here he is on your screen. 
Moreau has learned some lessons about who butters his bread in this town, and he's taken them to heart. It's the far-left progressives and the white-majority Black Lives Matter organization. Here's one of his lessons. Let's go back to the summer of St. George Floyd. May peace be upon him. This is the cover of Seven Days, our weekly radical newspaper. Racial justice protesters marched to Burlington Mayor's house. And you can see a picture there of a bunch of white college kids with signs about which cops on the police force they think need to resign and that Black Lives Matter sitting all over Moreau's front lawn. On their way there, they engaged at least one tuba player. And I want you to notice something else in this picture after tuba guy. Another picture of this march to Moreau's house. Kevin pointed this out to me when we were getting ready today. This is going through residential neighborhoods. This is new. We're starting to get used to it because we used to things really quickly. But all these people who are showing up at Supreme Court justices' houses or who are uh, doing their marches to government officials' houses and others right through residential neighborhoods, it used to be that people who were doing protest marches would go to government buildings or go to public squares. But they are, they've learned that they can, in fact, get away with intimidation, physical intimidation, and implied threats of violence. So they're now comfortable doing this in residential areas and going right up and sitting on people's lawns. And they should feel comfortable because nobody does anything. Did you see any police telling those people to get off his lawn? No, you didn't. They're scared to. And why would they do this to Moreau Weinberger, who's on their side, who's a progressive lefty? Because progressive lefties are vulnerable to this. They will bend the knee as Moreau Weinberger did and as all of them do. Notice that they are not doing this, at least here, to any actual Republicans or people that they accuse of being conservative and hateful because they know they're not going to get anywhere with them, but they know that they will get everywhere with somebody spineless on the left. So that's why they did it. And note the sea of white faces here. I was driving through downtown Burlington the day this happened. And by the way, this was not the only march like this. Many of them happened during the summer of George Floyd. And every time, there couldn't have been more than three, four, or five black people out of a sea of 100 or 150 white University of Vermont college kids. They did this repeatedly throughout the summer of 2020. Some of these kids put on orange safety vests to make it look like they were officials who had the right to direct traffic, and they literally chose streets to close down. There were no police anywhere. If there was a permit for this, well, no, I don't believe there was a permit for this because there would have at least been a, a policeman there directing traffic, but there weren't any. They shut roads down and they started directing traffic and telling drivers where to go and saying, this was our street, we're doing this demonstration. Multiple, multiple times. The one time I actually saw cops in the vicinity, they were sitting in their car doing nothing. And again, I don't want to blame the cops directly too much. They're probably being held on a leash. But these people run this city, okay? The law does not apply to them. They are more equal than others. Here's the part I really want you to hear. 
right after we decided not to have this meeting, Moreau Weinberger released a statement. And here's what it said. I welcome the news that a meeting that was scheduled for tonight at the library has been canceled, at least temporarily. Burlington seeks to be a city in which people of all backgrounds, orientations, and gender identities feel safe and enjoy a sense of belonging. This event, as organized, clashed with that deeply held community goal. If the event is rescheduled, I urge the organizers to do so in a manner that demonstrates an understanding of the unacceptable persecution too frequently experienced by members of our community who are transgender and non-binary. I appreciate the thoughtful way in which Mary Danko, the director of the Fletcher Free Library, handled the controversy surrounding the event. The city will continue to fill, fulfill the responsibilities that the First Amendment demands of all government entities while simultaneously opposing hate speech and aggressively enforcing laws that protect the public from hate crimes in order to send the message that such actions have no place in Burlington. Why did he welcome the news that we canceled the meeting? Isn't that a strange statement? Burlington seeks to be a city in which people of all backgrounds, orientations, and gender identities feel safe and enjoy a sense of belonging. Unless you're not a trans activist. Unless you're conservative. Unless you're a gay man or a lesbian who's not a trans activist. Unless you're a Republican unless you oppose Mengele-style medical mutilation of children while they psyop you into believing that these children are born with a condition that makes them the sex that they are not and that it is actually loving to mutilate them. Those people, those of us who object to this insanity, we don't get to enjoy a sense of belonging and we barely get to enjoy our constitutional rights. He says, I urge the organizers to do so in a manner that demonstrates an understanding of the unacceptable persecution too frequently experienced by members of our community who are transgender and non-binary. He didn't even know who we were. He didn't know what was on the agenda because we didn't have one. And who is a mayor to tell a group of citizens about the manner in which he expected us to do our organizing? Notice this feminized, weaponized empathy tactic. He's talking to us like he's our dad, or more like he's our mother, actually, as if that's what mayors do, as if this were normal. No citizen is obligated to demonstrate any particular manner in order to exercise their First Amendment rights. Merle Weinberger's statement is clear, affirmative support for intimidation and harassment against gay people, which he pretends he doesn't understand, against people who just don't count among the orientations and identities that are supposed to feel safe. Apparently, homosexuals is one of those that doesn't count. This is what life is like for actual gay people in 2022 in blue cities like Burlington. We are not only not listened to, we are targeted and our politicians release public statements approving of the intimidation, setting the stage and saying, I like this. I'm glad that this happened, and I would like to see more of this happen. 
And a person like Moreau Weinberger, I've talked about this on the show many times before too, people can be both victim and perpetrator, and that's very evident with Moreau. He was the victim, or the target, if you will, of a campaign to paint him as a racist who had an out-of-control racist police force. Um, when they marched to his house, if I remember correctly, he was working at City Hall, but his wife and two young children were at home, and he was justifiably upset about this and said so to the press. Why are you trying to intimidate my wife and children? He's right. But he bent the knee. He took it. That's why they do it. And that's why he's not just a target and a victim. He's an active perpetrator. Moreau, I hold you partially responsible for all of this. Before we take a break here, I want to leave you with one last image from the fake gender critical Vermont page. Who put it up there, Kevin? It's a still frame from the Wizard of Oz showing Dorothy's house crushing the Wicked Witch of the East with the ruby slippers. Is there any actual text with this? Ah, yes. R.I.P. Peggy Lures. Peggy Lures, we've mentioned her on the show before, was one of the founders of lesbian and gay activism in Vermont. She basically built the community here starting in the 1980s. And a few years ago, she died earlier this year. But a few years ago, she was forcibly ejected from the Pride Center, which used to be, you know, what you'd call a gay Pride Center, simply for being there and being gender critical. An audience member said that he felt unsafe with her presence as an audience member at a program. Peggy was a five foot one inch lesbian in her 70s. <laughs> and this is what they have to say. R.I.P. Peggy, ding dong, the witch is dead. We're going to come back after the break and finish this story up. And we're going to tell you why these people feel so able to get away with this and the extent to which they will go with absolutely no consequences. But before I take you to the break, do me a favor. Would you share our show on social media? We'd like more people to hear about this. And if that's too much for you, share it with a friend privately. Well, thanks. We'll see you after the break. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com disaffected or visit subscribestar.com disaffected. Welcome back. Before we finish this up, 
I want you to know that we invited Mayor Moreau Weinberger to come on this show today. Kevin sent him a private message. He got it. He didn't respond. Kevin let him know that we were going to go really hard on him. We were going to be very critical. But we believe that people have a right of reply. And we are absolutely willing to have conversations with people. They are not. No response from Moreau. And you'll see later what else he didn't respond to. So I'm going to remind you, I'm going to show you a couple of things from the first segment again to refresh your memory about the most recent incident of Christopher Aaron Felker being called a transphobe who needs to die in rotten hell. So <clears throat> one of our online fans asked for some help tracking him. He says, can any one of you coder types make a quick smartphone app where Burlington people can pin time-stamped Christopher Felker sightings on a little map so it's easier to find and publicly shame him. Take a look at the picture of Christopher again. This one was posted on Facebook by our friend Pedro. And he says, who's that Republican transphobe guy in Burlington? I think he's in Burlington Bagel. He, 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 he. So, Christopher Aaron ran for city council recently. He didn't win. And he walked through his neighborhood walking his dogs and regularly encountered, and probably still does encounter, hand-lettered signs taped to street signs, hammered to telephone poles, calling for his death, calling him a bigot, calling him a transphobe, telling him to get out of the city. Do you see why they are, they are correct to be confident that they will not face consequences for their bad behavior? They are above the law. I decided I wanted to put pressure on Moreau Weinberger, so I tweeted at him. Here's what I said. This was on June 14th, the day after this occurred at the bagel shop. As mayor of Burlington, Moreau, you should know what kind of atmosphere you and your city council have stoked in Burlington. The woke agenda of this city, including the aspersions you and some of your colleagues have cast on conservative gays, has made us actually unsafe. And I'm going to jump in here and clarify. It's not going to matter. Those who want to twist my words will do it anyway. But I do want to remind, I am not claiming here that I am unsafe because of mean words. Okay? I'm not making that claim. I don't enjoy it, but it's just words. And I've got a big mouth myself. Not claiming I'm unsafe because of that. The claim of feeling unsafe is actually about the knowledge that... Although, if you take 100 people like this, 99 of them are just keyboard warriors, there's going to be one or two who are not just keyboard warriors because this kind of political grouping attracts psychopaths. And I don't mean that colloquially. I mean it clinically. I mean people with clinical antisocial personality disorder, violent people, the kinds of people who are attracted to Antifa. That's just a heat sink for psychopaths. It gives them a currently socially approved way of being violent and destroying property. That's what I'm worried about. Next tweet. 
Again, I'm addressing Mayor Moreau Weinberger. Here's what happened. I was walking down Church Street with my friend, Christopher Felker. We went into the bagel shop and sat down to eat. A young man came over out of the blue, stood over the table and said to Christopher, I want you to know that I think you're a fucking transphobe and I hope you die in rotten hell. In full earshot view of all the patrons, including children. This is not the first time I've seen this. It's been performed on Me Too in downtown restaurants. Moreau, what's more and what's more sinister than this young man's mouth was the absolute silence of every single patron. Not one person in that restaurant said anything to that vulgar, abusive young man. Not one. I was the only person who stood up ready to defend. This is the atmosphere that your party and its woke far-left ideology have created in this state. You have endless sympathy, Moreau, for the most lunatic trans activists. They lie, exaggerate, bully, and cry victim. You have zip, zero, shit to say when they abuse. Do I want this abusive young man punished? Of course not. He has the right to say horrible things. Were either of us physically hurt? Of course not. Words are not violence. What I want is moral decency, a society that doesn't applaud this abusive behavior. And this provoked, of course, a firestorm of tweets. There are so many. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I'm just giving you a representative sample. Here are some of the responses. These are, you can't know, of course, who anybody is on the internet, but many of these people, it, it was clear that they, they are locals. They're people that I walk by in the grocery store. Pit Fiend says of the incident, I think I know who did this, who harassed Christopher Felker, and if they DM me, if they private message me, I will reward them. Hogtown Veteran says of the verbal accoster, does this kind soul have a tip jar? Somebody named Vermont Kiwi says, and this was a common sentiment, I want you to know that it's cool and good that this happened, and I can only hope it continues to happen. <laughs> this one's one of my favorites. By the way, Almost all of these people are anonymous. With the exception of the tweet that I'm going to show you coming up here, none of them will reveal their names. I know if you look at my account, it says Original Recipe G. Yeah, it's a pseudonym, but I'm not hiding who I am. The name of my show and my name is right in the picture. And if you're curious, you can ask me what my name is under that account, and I will answer you, and I will say I am Joshua Slocum. I'm not hiding anything here. They are. Daniel Barlow said, I love this, threats of violence are unacceptable, but, there's always a but, but the person you are defending spent weeks falsely accusing trans Vermonters and their allies of being pedophiles, so maybe your plea for civility rings hollow. <laughs> but threats of violence are unacceptable. But not when it's you. Right, Daniel? This is not true. 
Christopher Aaron Felker did not accuse anyone of being a pedophile. He called people groomers. And he's right. They are groomers. And who did he call groomers? He called the legislators and the Vermont citizens groomers who supported a bill, House Bill 659. Look it up in the Vermont legislature. That bill would allow the state to poison children with chemical castration over parents' objections. The bill is specifically written to say that parents will be deprived of the legal right to say no if their child identifies as transgender and gets themselves in front of a caring adult who wants to make sure that they get puberty blockers, that is, the exact same drugs that they use to chemically castrate convicted sex offenders to desex them. That's what they want to do to children. These people are groomers. Okay, Daniel, they are. They're child abusers. And they should be in prison. Yes, like Shay Totten. They should be in prison. LifeSci Vermont says, Christopher Aaron reaps what he sows. Hate. It's hateful, you see. It's hateful to tell Dave that he's not actually Christine. It's hateful to not pretend that Dave's wig is growing out of his scalp. It's hateful to say that there's no such thing as a transgender child. There's no such thing as a nine-year-old boy with a penis and testicles who was actually born a girl. And the most loving, gentle, and caring thing you can do is to cut his nuts off. Now we get to the part where they tell you what they really think of you. And what they think is normal people are subhuman. Simon Says tweets, hey everyone, this guy, referring to me, this guy doesn't like furries <laughs> and thinks Burlington, Vermont is worse for it. Can we show him a little love and attention? This fandom is so well known for. Also, He's transphobic, subhuman slime, so don't hold back. Childish somebody I can't pronounce their name joined in and said, transphobes aren't people. And then a couple of them lay bare their violent sexual fantasies. Nuxva, whatever that is, says... I'm on my furry fetish account to tell you how fucking stupid you are, lol. Everyone in this city hates you and your friends. It's the next one that's, that, that's really good. Lol. Simon says again, I too am here as a furry to tell you to vanish up into your own vacuous asshole and suffocate on cum. They also like to make sure that people can find your home address, your private phone number, and your work location, because Vermont Kiwi put up a link to the incorporation papers for our company here at Disaffected, which lists all that private information. Clarification here, this is a public record. I recognize that. I was a working reporter. I understand the difference between public and private. There's nothing illegal about this activity, but it is meant to make it easy for people to target people like me, like Kevin, like Christopher.
So he says, I hope nobody sees you in public and gives you a big nonviolent hug until you squeal with delight. He doesn't want to give me a hug. You know what he wants to do. And this is fine. Back to Pitt Fiend, who says, that's right, Burlington is not safe for transphobes. Don't forget it. Throughout all of this, I sent several of these tweets and I tagged Moreau Weinberger and I asked him how he felt about this. Did he have anything to say about this? Was there a line that, e that even he would draw? Even though he doesn't like my position, even though he thinks I'm bad, is there a line does this cross that line? He didn't respond to anything. I, of course, I knew he wouldn't. But he felt very free to put a target on our backs with that press release two years ago without even knowing who we were. I had one more tweet, but I'm going to skip it because it's not actually that relevant. Here's what I'd, I'd like to say to close this show. And I'm talking to people who might be hate-watching this, who think that you and I are enemies. Um, you might think I'm, I'm subhuman slime. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. Just consider them, if you would. You can do it privately. don't have to tell anybody. I know you think that we are the enemy. But if you can step back for a minute, just 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 look, try to look as an outsider. Step back, take a look at the communications, take a look at what people on my side are saying, take a look at what people in your group are saying. Can you genuinely say, honestly, that you think that what we're doing is hateful, dangerous, violent, animated by bigotry and and that the people on your side are motivated by love and concern and gentleness. I know that there's an emotional block there that makes it difficult to reconsider, especially when you've dug in as far as you have. But I think you might know what I'm talking about. I think you might have an inkling that something is off kilter here. And I know that it's provocative to hear this, but if you can, please really take a good, hard look at the groups of people that you are associating yourselves with. Take a look at them. Take a look at how they talk. Take a look at the things they try to do, the way they try to intimidate, the way they try to silence, the way they threaten violence or they imply it and laugh because they know they can get away with it. Take a look at them and then look at the behavior of cult members. Privately, inside your own head, no one will see your embarrassment or you being angry over the fact that I have a point. Just do it inside your own head. Tell me you don't see the parallels between cults and the people that you're hanging around with. Can you really honestly say that you think that you're on the moral side here? Can you really honestly say that you believe that everybody who takes my position is animated only by hate? Do you see any death threats coming from my side? 
I know you think you see hate, but you've got a very distorted definition of that. When someone merely says that a man isn't a woman, you are so emotionally activated by that that you can't hear what was said. You hear something like, and should die and be drawn and quartered and hung, and any man who does anything feminine is the most disgusting thing ever and they should be blasted away. That's what your emotions tell you, but it isn't what people are actually saying. I'm a gay man too. I have gay mannerisms. I don't hate any effeminate behavior in men. I just know the difference between men and women, like everybody else does, like you do. And if you're watching this for the first time, you don't know me, you don't know my past, you don't know the projects I've worked on, but I used to be more like you. I was a leftist and a registered Democrat for all of my adult life until 41. I'm 47 now. I had a change of heart politically, but I was woke. I didn't make death threats against people. I didn't go as far as some of the people in your group will go, but I went pretty far, and I believed a lot of the things that you did, that you believe. And when, it doesn't matter, some event has to happen. It had to happen for me. Maybe it'll have to happen for you. Something will wake you up a little bit. When, it, when that happens, please allow it to continue. It's, a, it's difficult. It is hard. It was one of the hardest things I had to do was to accept the reality that the majority of what I believed politically and then informed my view of morality was mistaken and wrong. I had been misled and I allowed myself to be misled. And I created enemies out of people who weren't actually enemies, who didn't hate me, who didn't have evil hearts. And I clung to people who had evil motivations. I know what it's like. This happens to humans. Has it happened to you? That's the show. We'll see you next week. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom Hangouts. They're off-camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com slash disaffected or visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected. <laughs>